Welcome to the Confidence Through Health Podcast. My name is Jerry Snyder. As a health, wellness, and sports performance coach, my goal each week is to bring you experts to help you take control of your health and build your self-confidence. Thanks for including me today on your journey to better health. As an elite level runner and coach, I'm excited to introduce you to the All In Running Club. The All In Running Club exists to help you become a better runner. Whether you're a beginner, an elite runner, or anywhere in between, the mission of the All In Running Club is to give you the tools you need to find your success in running. Join today to take advantage of the 75% off yearly membership rate offer. Click the link below in the show notes to learn more. So thank you, David, for joining me on the Confidence Through Health podcast. Oh, Jerry, been looking forward to this. I know we're going to have a blast today. We are. And so, but the first thing I, I always try to get, like, what inspired people? What got you going? What got you motivated? So like, why help people with sports psychology and all the other things that you do as well? Like, because you do so many things with helping people, which is all boils down to is like the psychology of their mental preparation for life. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jerry, you, you know, everyone is here for a purpose. Uh, everyone has a purpose. It doesn't matter what what that might be. It doesn't matter what level we're at, you know, ground level, uh, executive level, all pro athlete level. It doesn't matter. Right. We all have a purpose. And, you know, it was very obvious from a very young age that one of the purposes I have in life was to be a leader, a teacher. Um, some people would say healer. I, I'm a little... Hmm, uh, on that term, you know, yeah. I, I think I can lead people to healing themselves, but I don't heal anyone type of a thing, you know. So but as a, at a very young age, you know, I was extremely independent. Um, my parents passed away just a couple of years ago. They would say he he was extremely independent. I was a, I was a tough kid. Yeah. Um, I, I, I never could follow the crowd, which meant I couldn't follow my mom and dad. And so, you know, we, we had a really rough childhood until I actually went to Syracuse University and 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 that was a turning point for me getting out of the house actually it was yeah. around the late 20s that i was able to you know call my parents and tell them my god 99% of what you tried to teach me as a child was correct yeah. <laughs> and you know right. and 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 one of the things jerry that happened you know this we're talking in the 50s you know yeah. now um uh, I, I was never diagnosed correctly with mental health challenges and it wasn't until a failed suicide attempt in 1990 that I was actually diagnosed with four uh, uh, mental health challenges that I'd had my whole life that had never been treated. Oh. Uh, I had deep clinical depression, which is obvious. Anytime there's a suicidal attempt, there's a deep clinical depression. I had generalized anxiety disorder that was never discovered. Uh, I had ADD that was never discovered, ADHD that was never discovered. So what we found is that, um, and I know I'm jumping a little bit no, here, yeah, but it, it, it'll all come together. Yeah. Um, you know, what I found was that independence as a child, a lot of it was fueled by this uh, unknowingness of how to handle my own emotions. But one thing I could handle was leadership. Yeah. One thing I could handle. So basketball was my sport. So being the point guard and shooting guard at the same time, you know, I had to run the team uh, as a pitcher in baseball. You know, I, I was the leader in, in there right. and it just became a really natural thing. And of course, when you're a leader, if, you, if it truly is part of your nature, the second category underneath leadership is caring. Real leaders care. You know, and that led me into the world of personal growth, counseling, therapy. Um, you know, I became an all faith minister and all these things. But, you know, it all started with leadership yeah. and it all then was compounded with this in incredible compassion that I was born with 
to help people, you know, not only the people that can pay, but to help people in general. Like if you see me on the street, you'll see me stopping and talking to every homeless person I see. You'll see me at at a red light. You know, there's lots of red lights around the U.S. and there are homeless people panhandling right at the Mm -hmm. red light. Right. And I'll roll down my window and I'll say, hey, what's your name? And, you know, how long have you been out here and how are you doing today? And, you know, I'm going to say a prayer for you. And here's a couple of dollars. Please use it for your highest good. You know, so I I share all this because it's part of who I am. And the, the part of who I am that sounds so beautiful is beautiful, compassionate, caring, leadership. But then everyone has a yin to the yang, you know, and. And the opposite of that is me controlling my emotions, dealing with the mental health challenges. You know, I was an addict for 30 years, alcoholic and addict. It's been a very long time. Uh, My recovery is so beautiful and so powerful. Uh, With both of my parents dying, it took them four years to die. Um, It was horrendous deaths. The the only benefit that we had is that we were able to keep them in their own home. But, you know, my mom had dementia, which is next to Lou Gehrig's disease, two of the worst diseases you can ever imagine going through. And she wasn't our mom. Yeah. You know, like like for four years we lost, even though she was alive, there would be moments of 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 clarity. And my brother would FaceTime me right away, Jerry. Oh, my God. And he'd go, you probably got five minutes, you know, and I would. I was in Florida and they're in Syracuse, New York, and I would jump all over that. But I, I tell you that part of the story because. Not at one point during the four years of their suffering, death and dying, did I ever think about having a drink or escaping reality. Right. And what happened is my heart became more open. I became more compassionate. I learned more about grieving and death than I ever thought I would ever learn. Uh, Jerry, some experiences happened to me because of my love of my mother and father. And and I want to take a pause right now. Yeah. There are people that are watching and listening that may not be happy because of the fact that they didn't have the relationship that I had with my mother and father. And I want to make two reminders. Number one, my relationship with my mother and father didn't start until my late 20s. Yeah. Uh, number one. And number two is that I am sorry if you did not get the support you right. needed from right. your mom and dad. You know, I'm really yeah. sorry because I know what it meant to me later on in life. And it made their passing so much more difficult in so many ways. But I learned so much, Jerry, you know, and one of the things I learned is that life is eternal, that there is no end, that those who pass over can visit us at any time if we set up what's called gateways. And so, you know, four years ago, my whole my mom died three years ago, my dad a year and a half ago, but it started four or five years ago. And my whole course on grieving changed completely. I mean, you know, when when you theoretically teach grieving because you've worked with so many people that have lost their parents and their brothers and their sisters, there, there, there's some validity to that sure. theoretical teaching of grief. Right. But nothing can match you going through it yourself yeah. and coming out the other side and really knowing what it's like to grieve. Right. The one thing I do want to say that has radically changed my whole world in regards to grieving is that every tear we have over the loss of a dog, the loss of a loved one, a friend, a parent, a sibling, every tear is a tear of love. 
Oh, yeah. And I want people to know that. See, we have this misconception that grieving is sadness and loss, right. and part of it is. And for the first number of months, or maybe for some people years, the sadness and the loss and the pain is there. And the yeah. tears feel like tears of pain and sadness and loss. But in all honesty, Jerry, if there was not love, you would not have a tear. Oh, true. Yeah. You know, there would yeah. be there would be no tears if there wasn't love. So, yeah. you know, a, a good friend of mine, Candace Pert, wrote a, a book in the 90s called Molecules of Emotions, which is uh, a very deep, heavy book. She's a neuroscientist, so it isn't uh, light reading yeah. <laughs> by any means. But the coolest thing in the world that she writes about is that tears are not salt and water. Yeah. Like like it's so beautiful. Tears are a, a, a cascade of hormones. Right. You know, it, it tears and, and and one of those hormones is oxytocin and oxytocin yeah. is the bonding hormone. It's it's the love yeah. hormone, you know. So right. when you're crying, you're, you're yeah, there's cortisol and adrenaline, which is the sad part of the emotional state. But then there's oxytocin and there's dopamine and there's serotonin and there's GABA. And at the end of a cry of grief, when the body is relaxed, that's where the GABA is just flooding the brain. Right. We, we've we, we've exhaled, you know, we've we've yeah. let go of a certain portion of the of the pain. And then the body can reward us with that feeling of, you know, some people say it's a feeling of exhaustion, right. but it's a feeling of relaxation oh, is yeah. really what it is. Yeah. Well, in in like that, it is it like I, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. Um and and still don't and like and people don't necessarily understand it he was in the hospital recently and my siblings were like texting and and i was just like okay like matter of fact like not yeah. uh my grandfather on the other hand my mom's dad like people would look at us and be like your mirror images like he taught me everything like mm -hmm. fishing stories everything like taught me how to water ski and then i've passed that on to dozens of people that i've taught how to water ski um and like, and I, and I was in charge of, I wasn't like, my uncle was in charge of like the, the funeral and all of that stuff, but he was leaning on me to be like, okay. Cause he was military. So we had to go to San Antonio for military yeah. burial and all that. And he goes, okay, well you've got connections in San Antonio. Like help, help me figure all this out. Um, and he leaned on me and everybody was like, you're not breaking down. Why aren't you breaking down? You're not. And they let me speak at the reception because, cause military burial, you can't, there's, it's very strict on what's happening at the actual burial site and all that but then we had a reception of the and like they let me say something and i like and then all of a sudden just just you know and 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 then right over here on the side of like in my kitchen like got home and like okay everything's done like paid all the bills everything's done and i just shrunk down and sat down and just bawled you know i kept it all in held it all up yeah. for everybody else yeah. until that moment and and I fully believed like exactly what you said is what the emotions that I went through and then got to the end of that cry session and was just like, wow, that, that, that felt it. Yes, it was, it was sadness and, you know, the tears of, of grief and all that, but there was so much love in that moment. Right. Like yes. I felt the love from him yes. in that moment, you know, yes. and, and I've had times like that since then of like doing different things, especially with my son, because Neither of my kids were born when he he, he passed. Okay. Um, it was about he passed about three months before my oldest was born. Okay, so he didn't get to meet my kids, and so now it's like I get to pass that stuff along that he taught me to my to yeah. my kids, you know. Yeah. And as I'm doing that, and then it's like I'll have moments, especially when I'm talking to water ski. It was like, 
these moments of like, I, I look back and I'm watching them from the driving the boat. And then I'm like, they get up and they start skiing off and I turn around. And I'm just like, tears just yes. like, from remembering that moment and that love and that, you know, and it's not, like you said, it's not sadness tears. It's like that love yeah. and compassion of taking that experience that I got as a kid and how much I loved it and yes. being able to pass it on to somebody else. Yes. 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 And what we're talking about, Jerry, is not the normal way people talk about grief, you know, right. and I'm and right. I'm so glad that, you know, it, it's funny before we started the interview, you know, I made a comment that we're mirror of each other yep. because of our backgrounds and everything. And and even, you know, our belief of grief, we, we've never met before. Right. We've never talked before. Right. And and yet, you know, we're in alignment. And, yep. and it's so beautiful, Jerry, because this is very unusual. Mm-hmm. There aren't many counselors, therapists, psychiatrists that know how to talk about grief. There aren't many people that know how to teach people what to say to someone who's grieving. And since we're on grief, let's talk about that. You know, the worst thing in the world to say, and it's going to sound oxymoronic because we've been trained by society to say these nonsensical words, but, you know, they're in a much better place. Well, let me tell you something. (laughs) You lose someone and someone comes up to you at the wake at the funeral a month later and says they're in a much better place, you know, they need to be, well, let me just say this. I would turn around and walk away. Uh, If I didn't do something ballistic, I would probably just turn around and walk away because it's the worst thing in the world to say. What you're doing is you're cramming that feeling of losing someone down their throat. Instead of standing and and really, Jerry, there really isn't much that can be said. You know, the the best thing that we can say to someone who's grieving is, uh, is there anything I can do for you? Right. That's the very best thing. You know, I'm here. I'm present. If there's something you need, I'll get it for you. If there's something I can do, if you'd like to sit and talk, if you'd like to just sit and I'll hold your hand. um, What is it that you would like? You know, that is all we need to say is questions. You know, we can say, I'm really sorry for your loss. That's fine. Is there anything that you need? And watch your tone of voice. You know, speak softly, speak with compassion, speak with love. You know, Scarlett Lewis is a very good friend of mine. Um, And about 13 years ago, uh, she lost her six-year-old son, Jesse, in the Sandy Hook Elementary Massacre in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. in my first number one best-selling books, and, and and I want to mention this because it's it's an interesting story. I wrote books, Jerry, for twenty years with zero recognition, almost yeah. zero sales. Yeah. Nothing happened for twenty years of writing yeah. a book. Yeah. The twenty-first year of writing a book, we got a number one bestseller, and we've had like five in a row since then. Nice. But I I say that because in the book entitled positive thinking will never change your life, but this book will. (laughs) I put Scarlett's story about the ridiculous positive statements Mm -hmm. that people make. And what they said to her was, God needed another angel. Are you kidding me? At six years of freaking age, you're going to tell someone that God needed another angel? Yeah. Like, see, these are the insane statements, but you know, it's, it's no one's fault, but it's all of our fault. Oh yeah. All we're doing is that we're just following society. We're not thinking mm-hmm. on, on, with logic. You know, we're not, we're not looking at changing anything. This, this kind of crap Jerry has been said for 300 years or more. Oh yeah. I'm sure 2,500 years, you know, people yeah. have said this kind of crap at funerals and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we need to change, you know, yeah. we need to get out of that mindset and, and think of more compatible. What do you want to hear? When right. your six-year-old dies, do you yeah. want to hear that God got another angel? Hell, I don't think so. Yeah. If my six-year-old <laughs> dies, 
I don't want to hear someone totally, coming yeah, up yeah. going, hey, don't worry about a thing, David. God just need another angel. Yeah. You know, no, 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 no. So let's be really soft. Right. Let's be conscious. Let's approach someone who lost and even a dog, a cat, a freaking goldfish. Listen, I've had clients that have lost, you know, a pet snake they had for 30 years and everyone goes, oh, my God, a pet snake. But to that person, it was their world. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, and so let's be really conscious of what we're saying and understand that we can either help someone in the grieving process by just being present right. or we can hurt them by trying to make a statement that they're nowhere near ready to hear. Now, if someone comes up to me in 10 years and says, you know, God, I'm really sorry your mom and dad went through that. But four years of being in hospice and all those surgeries, both of them. To be out of that kind of pain must be pretty good. And in 10 years, I can hear that. Yeah. You know, I might be able to hear it in two years. Who knows, Jerry? But right, what I'm right. trying to make an emphatic point yeah. that those kind of statements hold off way down the road. Yeah. Right. You know, they all they need is your ears and your heart. Yep. A grieving person needs three things. Both your ears to be totally conscious in the moment for them and an open, compassionate heart. Yeah. willing to do what we can do to try to alleviate some of their suffering, maybe by bringing them food as is a general customary thing to do. Right. Or, you know, can I take care of something? You know, are, are you behind on bills? Can I help you with something? You know, right. those kind of logical things I think would be really smart. And, you know, we, we, our 15th book comes out today. Oh, <laughs> Speaking, nice. It's kind of funny. Uh, and it's a, a very deep spiritual book. Yeah. Um, our 16th book, which I'm working on right now is called the secret of grief. And we're going to just blow people's minds with a completely different look at the yeah. world of grieving. And in the book, we'll also put how you can stay in communication with loved ones who have passed over. Oh, we nice. found an incredible formula, Jerry. Nice. It's mind blowing. And it'll yeah. work for anyone that wants to work it. Nice. Well, so you said a couple of things there that I, I 100% believe in and that I've actually started to change in my life. One is the, you know, with somebody and you just say, and, and it's with social media, it's so easy now that somebody posts something about like, oh, so-and-so just passed away. I just want to let everybody know here's the services, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you look through the comments and everybody's like, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I've stopped saying that because I'm like, it, one, it's like, okay, I lost something. So you're reemphasizing that I lost something. Right. Yeah. So if I read that, I'm going to realize it. Like, even if I'm not in that moment, I'm going to go, oh, I lost something. Right. Nobody wants right. to lose something. And so I've switched it to just saying, I'm praying for you, you and your family. And then if there's somebody that's really close that I know, like, okay, well, they'll accept this or they'll, uh, you know, because a lot of people, or if they're, if they're close, but they're not, you know, they're close in person, but not necessarily close in proximity. So I can't really do a whole lot, but I'll, I'll put them there. Like, Hey, let me know if you need anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here yeah. for you. You are right? on. Like, you know, in, in, because in, what I would want, like you just said, like what I would want in that situation, no matter who it is or what it is, like that's the caring I would want. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and it's funny you say that because like with, with pets, we, we, we had to put our, we rescued a dog. We had three dogs at one time. Our, the last one, we had rescued him at two years old. Weimaraner lived to 17 and a half years old, like way, like super old. Yeah. Um, and you know, and we decided, okay, we've got to put him down. It's like, it's just, it, it's the right time. Put him down. And when, we, you know, we, we notified people on Facebook and like family members and things like that. And it was so interesting 
that some people truly connected that with that's a family member. Right. And other people were like, you know, like, okay, you're going to be fine in two days. And it was wow. like, are you kidding me? Wow. Um, and, and that grief was so big, like my yes. kids in us that, you know, cause I remember coming in the door the next day, opening the door. Hey buddy, where are you? Like, God, come here. And I was like, Oh crap, buddy's not here. Yeah. Right. And yeah. having that moment. And my wife and I were like, okay, we're going to wait like six months and then get another dog, introduce them to like, let's just relax and calm down and yeah. not make any decisions. We lasted four days. <laughs> we're like, there is a hole in the house. Right. Right. Like there is right. a hole in the house. We have to address that. Yeah. And, and with pets, that's that. like, okay, well, we went, we spent 800 bucks on a puppy. We brought another puppy home. Right. Like you can't do that with your parent. No, that's right. That's right. You know? And so that's a whole different level of like, yes, it's a, in, in, and it may not be, you know, a parent that is in your house for those time periods. Like, you know, like, you know, my, my mom's in Arkansas, my dad's in Georgia, I'm in Texas. Right. Yeah. So if one of them passed away right now, like, yes, there's a hole, but it's not like I, I can come home and get distracted by the things in my home and not necessarily think about them like right. 24 seven, like a pet would be. Right. Um, but it's still something you can't replace. You know, you know, and so from that grieving process to have that compassion part from the people around you. Yeah. You know, it helps because it's like you like you can't replace. Them. So there's nothing they can really do no. other than just support you through your time of grief. That's right. And that's the biggest thing with the compassionate listening and having that compassionate, open heart, you know, is just, is there anything I can do for you? And I'm here for you. Uh, please let me know. You contact me at any time. Um, those are phrases that can bring comfort. Yeah. Now, they're also phrases that two or three or 10 other people might say, and that's fine. But you never know when you're the one that says it, that the person connects and says, you know, I do need some help. Right. You'll never know. So don't hold back thinking, well, everyone else has already said this, yeah. you know, because you just don't know. They they may connect with you at a certain level more so than someone else. Yeah. And maybe they're hoping that you're going to say it because right. they do want to take, you know, some time and just sit and talk with you. And yeah. then when you do say it, they go, oh, my God, thank you. You know, yeah. and 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 this this can happen at any moment. But this conversation that we're having, Jerry, is so mind blowingly important for this country, mm -hmm. especially with what we're, we've been going through in the last five years. Yeah. I mean, you know, when COVID hit, you know, the, one of the first people that I lost was someone. Well, I'm 67 and he was 60 and he did the same work. He's a therapist. He was in great shape. And he got hit with COVID. He was put in a hospital on an uh, um, what was one of those machines? A ventilator. Yeah, a ventilator. Yeah. Um, and within three weeks, he was dead. No preconditioning condition, you know, pre-existing conditions, nothing like that at all. Um, we're in a time of deep grief. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in a time of deep grief with the political situation, with inflation, with wars, with yeah. the, the the vaccines and the 17,000 boosters and all this other kind of crap that, right. you know, comes up. Um, there's a lot of pain in this oh, world yeah. right now, you know, and, and we need to talk about it. We, we, we can't hide it. We can't, you know, the, the, the one thing I will say, and we have to remember this, what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, who we hang out with leads us into and out of, or out of suffering. Oh yeah. So think about this. If you find yourself like most people in this world, irritable, 
-hmm. impatient, angrier than normal. You have to look at what you're watching, listening to, reading, and who you're hanging out with. You know, I did this, I do these videos all the time. We have about 2,700 videos that are free on YouTube on my channel. People can go and watch them all the time. And the last couple of days, I've done several of these videos on suffering um, because of the fact that that I just see it all over the place. I mean, it's incredible how deep the suffering is. And we, we talk about one of the ways to alleviate suffering is to eliminate the conversation around yeah. suffering. And so on the video, I say at the very most, whether it's a personal challenge you're going through, a business challenge, a health challenge, there should not be more than two people you're talking to about your suffering. Mm-hmm. There should never be more than two people. And the reason for that is the more you talk about it, the deeper the suffering gets. Right. So if you say, well, I've got to talk to my husband or wife and I've got to talk to my mom and her dad. So there's, well, wait, David, there's three people and I've got, no, you do not. Yeah. No, you do not have to. That's right. mass consciousness. That's society that's taught you that you need to share everything with everyone. And it's right. the worst thing in the world. You know, Keep your opinions on the politics to yourself. Keep your opinions to war on yourself. Are you going to heal politics with your amazing uh, wisdom? The answer is no. I hate to hurt your feelings. Are you (laughs) going to stop war with your incredible rhetoric that you're sharing at the office? I hate to hurt your feelings. But again, the answer is no, you're not. You know, but could you increase the suffering of yourself and those around you by constantly talking about how you can't stand this president, how you can't stand that president? And we should do this in Russia and we should do this in Palestine. Give me a break. All you're doing is increasing the suffering that you're going through as well as everyone around you. You know, Jerry, we have so much freaking power as human beings to do great stuff. And we waste our time with gossip. We waste our time with all of this social media crap news. You know, I quit watching the news prior to COVID. (laughs) I am a free man. I have not. I didn't see I'm, the ins, insurrection at the White House. I don't know a thing about it other than yeah. someone told me it happened. Yeah. I haven't seen TV. Oh, wait, let me take that back. I watched the Miami Heat okay. <laughs> because I'm a basketball junkie. Right. That's the right. only thing on my TV is basketball. Right. Yeah. And so you can talk to me about all the stuff that's going on and I don't know a thing and I'm comfortable with it. Now, people will say, oh, but you're ignorant. You're naive. You're not a patriot. You have to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I say, and that's how society has trapped you. That's called mass consciousness. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like I stopped watching the news six years ago. There you Um, go. And and just until recently, like we, we had Netflix and then we watched sports. And... You know, Netflix, there's no commercials. So we're like, in, so I mean, for years, no commercials unless there was sports going on. Yeah. And then we recently got, you know, another Hulu. And so it's like, we've got some ads here and there. And I'm like, and it's funny because my daughter, she's 14. And, you know, they're showing, because that's what they do. They show ads for this medication and that medication and this right. medication, right? Because they're trying to do. And so, and she's just looking on her phone, but the ads play in, you know, she's looking on her phone. It's just other stuff that's, and she's listening to it though. And she goes, she looked at me, she goes, why would somebody take that medication with that many side effects? That's all I talked <laughs> about the whole time. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, 30 seconds worth of side effects. Yeah. Like, that's all they've talked about. That's right. So, you know, and like in because she's been oblivious to it because we haven't watched it, you know. Sure. And, and we actually have a during the school year, um, our kids are no electronics. Uh, they get their phone so they can text mm-hmm. their friends or call their friends. 
but you know, no tablet, no TV, no anything during the week, only on the weekends, you know, because it's like, limit the exposure to all this crap. Totally. Like, let them become their own person. Absolutely. Jerry. You know, and, and, and I agree with you completely. It's like that. I, <laughs> so what I've done is I've got, you know, my friends and my network mm-hmm. that I connect with and that I keep in touch with. And I'm like, okay, I, I trust this person mm-hmm. and their beliefs. And I trust mm-hmm. this person and their beliefs and this person and their beliefs. Right. So I have to watch the news because I'll call Charles. Yeah. We'll talk right. about whatever. And he's like, Hey, did you hear that? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Okay. I might need to Google that because that has some interest to me or might have, a, if, especially if it's a local thing, you know, right. Yeah. Like, right. Okay. It might be something that's important for me to, to, to know about. Mm-hmm. But if they are like, you know, oh, so, and, and he's in the mortgage business, like, oh, the rates are going up. I'm like, oh, okay. That's all I need to know. The rates are yeah. going up. Okay. That's going to affect the economy. Da, 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 right. Right. I can put two and two together and get there. I don't have to sit there and watch CNN for four hours and, and then get in this because all that does is it increases your stress level. It does. And Jerry, you mentioned something about your daughter, you know, on the phone, watching TV in the background, hearing it. So the subconscious mind, which is, uh, you know, it can be a great ally or a saboteur, depending Mm -hmm. on what we feed it. The subconscious mind is fed by us. So whatever we do habitually that we don't think about, if we overdrink, uh, if we overeat, if whatever it might be, it's the subconscious has picked up this message that we have given it because we we have overeaten for years. The subconscious says, oh, David wants to overeat. We've overdrank for years. So the subconscious says, oh, David wants to overeat. Now, while you're watch, watch, washing the dishes, putting stuff away and the TV's on the background and the news is on, that subconscious is sucking in every piece of negativity that's being spewed out on that television set. And let's remember this. News is based on sensationalism because news is based on ad sales. Ad sales is based on sensationalism. So when you have those horrific scenes being repeated on every news channel 20 times a day and you're there seeing it or even just hearing about it in the background, your subconscious mind is already going negative. It's already gone. You can't control it. The only thing that turns the subconscious mind from a negative saboteur to something positive is elimination of the activities that create the negativity in the first place, right? Right. So it's an action move. You cannot change the subconscious thought with a thought. You can't say, oh, even though I just watched that show that said so-and-so is an idiot and will never win and blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to pay attention to that. Sorry, it's already locked in. You know, so the only way to get it out is to eliminate the source that brought it in in the first place, let's say news, you know, and then replacing that time with something that is life enhancing. Mm -hmm. When you do a life enhancing move, let's say you decide, oh my God, to read a book, like a physical book, not on your computer, tablet, tab, whatever, but actually in your freaking hand, which I try to encourage people all the time because we, we spend way too much time on our electronics. Yep. You know, Jerry, with all the, the professional athletes I work with and, and with all the executives I work with, I give them one rule for the morning. Yeah. And if they don't want to follow it, they don't have to. But I tell them that their growth is going to be extremely limited. Yeah. The first 60 minutes of every day has to be electronic free. Yep. Completely. Not checking the news, not checking text quickly, not checking right. email quickly. If it means you have to get up an hour earlier, 
get up an hour earlier. But the right. first hour is electronic free. You can meditate, you can pray, you can exercise, you can read out of a freaking book, right. you can you know, whatever you want. You can journal, right? You can do anything, but it, it cannot be on a tablet, a phone, yep. an iPad. It can't be on your television set. It can't be a, a radio if anyone ever even has. I don't even know if radios are still around. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, you know, that first hour and the reason we're so strong on this and this is and and, and this is for anyone that wants to be successful. You don't have to be a professional athlete. If you want to be successful, the way you start your day is the way that life will continue to go. You start it with chaos and drama and the news. Forget it. There's no way you're going to reach your potential during that day. But you start it with something life enhancing, something that's filled with personal growth, something that's filled with spirituality, if that is something that will soothe your heart you start it like that give yourself 90 days wait till you see how your attitude is going to change those things that you used to put up with like the news your friends talking about conspiracy theories all this kind of crap you're going to get bored of it pretty damn quick yep no i i i 100 agree with it um when uh when i started my own business um gosh seven and a half years ago i got laid off and god had been telling me for years to do what I'm now doing. And of course I was just like, oh, no, you know, and, and part of it was society. Like, oh, you, you can't do that. You can't do that on your own. You've got to go right. do the corporate stuff. That's just how it's done. Um, and I was like, you know, I got laid off and I'm sitting here going, okay, well, what do I do? What do I apply for? What do I go do? And God said, no, 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 no. Now is the time you're finally going to do this, right? You're yeah. going to sit down. You've got the time, put it together, start doing it. And so as I did, I'm like, okay, well, I need to know more about all these things that I'm trying to help people with. I was like, well, I can't. And it was funny because I'm, I'm, I'm on a, I remember it just, I'm on a run and I'm trying to think and I'm like, okay, well, I just started a business. I don't really have a lot of money. Yeah. So I can't really invest a lot of money in something to teach me these things. Like what can I do? And I'm like, oh, I can go to the library and get a book. Yeah. Right. It's free. <laughs> right. So I go to my library and there's, there's there's very limited business books in my library and I'm like well this is a problem so a couple of days go by I'm on another run and I'm thinking through things you know and because I don't run with headphones or listening to anything I'm just yeah like, I'm out I, if I get into nature I get into nature I just listen to noises whatever like wherever my head goes my head goes yeah and and I went oh well what if I did a fundraiser running because people re- recognize me all the time like, yeah I go to the grocery store and they're like, Hey, you're that runner guy. Like, cause I'm in a smaller town and like, and, and so what it turned into was I did a, I did a fundraiser where I ran every street in my town. Um, it took me 22 days. It was like, wow, 150 something miles or something, um, to raise money for the library to buy books about business and entrepreneurship. And the first time I did it, they bought, I think it was 54 books. And so I was like, boom, okay, here we go. Boom. Like, let's read, let's go, wow. you know, and, and some, it was like Tony Robbins and like, yeah. you know, stuff that people know, but also I was listening to podcasts. And so every time I listen to podcasts, I mean, go, oh, you should read this book or that book or this. And so that was, I think the first time I did, it was 2017, 2016, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. Yeah. Done it several times. Now we actually have a 5k that we do and have everybody come, but my list of books, I, I've now, and I was not a reader uh-huh. growing up. I, I, it's funny because I got a D in fourth grade reading. Like, 
Right. Not a reader. Like, right. I was a sports guy. Like, let me go outside and play. Like, right on. Right. You know, um, I think I read two books in the 20 years from college to like when I started this. And those were both mandated by the people I was working for. Right. It was like, <laughs> okay. Right. You've got to read this book because we're all going through it. It's a, you know, company. Yeah. Um, and so now I've got, I think I'm on book 165. Right. Since right. 2017. Um, wow. That's and, awesome. But, like, because it's like, okay, this is what has to happen. Like I have yeah. to read these things. And yeah. and now I get people that send me books because yes. you know, I've posted about it and stuff. And like, um, I get people that send me books like, Hey, if you haven't read this one, read it. Um, and, and now of course I can, I can buy my own books or go to the library. And now the library's got hundreds. <laughs> That's so cool. Books on business and entrepreneurship and stuff. But I fully agree with that. And it, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be business, doesn't have to be self-development. It can be, but whatever it, it, whatever it is, something that like, that you're passionate about. Yeah. Because if you're passionate about it, then if you learn something about it, you can help somebody else. That's right. Right. You know, the, that the, ripple effect happens. Jerry, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's funny you say the ripple effect. Um, the book that came out today, it's called Lessen Your Burdens and Lift Your Spirits. Mm learn how to create your own quote spiritual mental mastermind program to alleviate and to increase inner peace in life this is the title of the mm. book that just came out today right yeah and i'll tell you how it came about in 1980 i was given by a mentor the book think and grow rich by napoleon mm. hill mm -hmm. in 1980 i'm reading this book jerry and i'm going this is brilliant this is absolutely brilliant this is the most incredible marketing i've ever seen right the title of the book is think and grow rich at the end of the book there's not one story that tells about anyone who thought their way to riches okay right. he was right. brilliant it was just yeah. a marketing ploy yeah Every story is about people that went through hell to become successful. There isn't one story in that book that someone didn't struggle like crap to come out the other side. But then he talked about something that blew my mind. He talked about a business mastermind group that he created. And that's what I modeled my spiritual mastermind group on in 1980. I'm reading the book and this is what he does. He brings in people. He brought in Abraham Lincoln, um, uh, uh, Henry Ford, all these people that had passed on. Yeah. And every morning he would call them into his room as a mental mastermind group. And he would have questions and it would say, hey, I don't know who in here can help me, but I, I don't know how to get this product to sell. I don't know how to get this to move, you know. And he right. said every day, all of a sudden an answer would come. And he go, God, that sounds like something Abraham Lincoln would say, you know, and yeah. I'm reading it. And Jerry, I'm getting fired up, not from a business perspective. I'm thinking, my Lord, from a spiritual perspective, can mm -hmm. you imagine if we had people every morning calling in whoever their favorite spiritual guides are, you know, Jesus right. Christ, Buddha, uh, Mother right. Mary, uh, the archangels, the apostles, whoever, I don't yep. care who it is, right? You can, yep. And then, you know, in my group, oh my God, I've got Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. uh, I have, uh, of course, uh, Napoleon Hill. Yep. I have Thich Nhat Hanh, a very famous Buddhist oh, yeah. monk. Yeah. Um, you know, Yogananda Paramahansa, mm -hmm. who's, you know, an extremely, and as a matter of fact, I'm going through a, a program to become a monk with nice. his organization in uh, San Diego. Nice. Um, and, and it's going to be a secular monk. I went and yeah. spent time in a monastery and I, I loved it, but I don't, 
I'm too much of a free spirit, at least yeah. right now. Uh, maybe when I turn 90, it'll be different. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when I when I contacted them, I said, you know, I, I really want to do this on a secular level. I, You know, I'm going to still do my work with athletes and executives. But yeah. then this deep spiritual work is going to be something that's going to start taking over more and more of my life. But I want to do it from a secular level, which they were totally great with, you know. Yeah. So in the book, what we teach people how to do is how to sit and create, how to call certain people in. And then I tell stories in the book. You know, I mean, a couple just I'll tell you one story from the book regarding this brand new book. Mm-hmm. And a number of years ago, a woman came to me struggling with extreme PTSD. Uh, I mean, oh, my God, extreme. She couldn't go out of her house. She, it's called being agoraphobic. She right, she right. couldn't go out of her house. Uh, she could barely work. Anything that she could make was just enough to to survive. And she contacted me and said, you know, I've been to all these therapists. I'm on all these medications. Nothing's working at all. Right. And I'm wondering if you would help me. And I said, absolutely. So we started working together. And right away, I asked her about her spiritual path. And she said, well, I'm a deep believer in God, but I really don't do anything. And so I said, hey, why don't we do this? And I explained the program. She said, that sounds kind of far out there, David, you know, like bringing people in that are no longer here on earth. And I said, I know, I know. I said, but listen, if Napoleon Hill, if it worked for him, okay, and here's a guy that did it for business, I think it'll work for us spiritually as well. So she said, okay. So the first couple of weeks, she was just sort of getting used to spending time alone in the morning with no electronics on. I was teaching her how to meditate and all those things. And then we started getting into the heavy spiritual mental mastermind program work. Mm -hmm. After the second week of calling her guides in, she comes in and sits down and there's tears rolling down her face. Mm. And I said, what's going on? And she said, I had the most incredible session with what you taught me with the spiritual mastermind program. Oh, wow. I said, tell me about it. And she said, well, She said, David, it didn't make any sense. She said, I'm struggling with PTSD. I'm seeing you. I'm slowly getting off these medications with your help. Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to meditate. But during the mastermind group, when I asked them what I needed to do the most to help with PTSD, I got an answer that I don't think is right. And I said, what was your answer? She said, they told me to get a dog, an emotional support dog. Yeah. And I said, what's wrong with that? She said, dogs are my least favorite animals. I I don't like dogs. And so I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to ask you to do. I said, the messages that I've received since 1980, there's never been one that's wrong. No matter how bizarre it sounded, no matter how whatever. I said, if you're willing to follow your intuition and this group's advice, let's see if it might surprise you. Right. Four weeks later. She had the dog for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Jerry, for the first time, she went out of her house for more than 15 or 20 minutes. Now she goes everywhere. There isn't a place she doesn't visit with her emotional support dog, you know, and and she's in shock. She just can't believe that this etheric practice Mm -hmm. of calling in people from the other side, as well as people who are alive today, yeah. Give you insight into problems and solve them. Yep. And and I said, you know, this information is available for everyone. Oh, and, yeah. and, and Jerry, the reason we put this book out right now is because of the shape the world is in. 
Yeah. You know, we know if people follow the program in the book, it's fun. It's easy. It can take 10 minutes a day. It's not that now I spend a lot of time with my group, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to spend more than 10 minutes. You know, I've got another guy, an entrepreneur, young guy. His business is starting to grow. He's doing this now. He has two people in his group, Elon Musk and Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. (laughs) And he said, he goes, you wouldn't believe the business advice I'm getting from Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know? So, so we're, we're always trying to, to think about how can we bring more to this world? What can we bring right. that isn't being satisfied right now? You know, the, yeah. the last four books I mentioned went number one bestseller. I say that not to brag. I say it because every title and every book came from my spiritual mastermind group. Yeah. Every one of them. You know, yeah. I would sit in the morning and I would say, it's time to write a new book. I need some new ideas. And within one or two days, maybe three days, all of a sudden the title of the book is sitting in front of me because I tell people always have a pad of paper and a pen when you're doing right. your, yeah. just jot things down. Yeah. So, you know, I'd write down the secret of grief and I yeah. didn't know why I was writing that. Well, I'm writing it because I'm going to write a book on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so really give this a shot and, yeah. and you know, and, and open our minds that there are answers and there's support from some of the most unlikely places sometimes. Oh, yeah. That we, if, if we're not on the edge, you know, that ed, now he was on the edge in 1980. <laughs> we, we, we searched to see if anyone had written a book like we're, we just put out today and no one has. So yeah. now we're taking the wisdom of Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill. And in 2023, all we're doing, and I'm giving him all the credit in the world, as you know, you know, because it wasn't my idea. I just took what he did and put it in a different format. But my God, this guy, Napoleon Hill, changed my life in a way that I'm sure he never planned on it, you know, which is the coolest thing in the world. So I'm asking everyone with us, be open-minded, you know, and to the thing you think, oh, that would never work for me. Give it a shot. Right. You know, well, and like Go you, ahead. Said, you said, you said like he never planned, like he, you know, he wouldn't have imagined that happening. But I, I bet he did in the standpoint of this is going to change somebody's life. Hundred percent. Right? I'm doing Jerry. this to change somebody's life. Right on. And like that is in in into to your earlier point, what you're talking about right now for people to hear is that like if you're so consumed with the news, the society's telling you this, social media is telling you this. If you're so consumed with all that, you can't hear your own internal voice and you can't have that communication with those other people That's to fine. hear what is, you know, because I've written two books. The first book I wrote in, in was it 21 days? Yep. You know, and it was because I just, I was like, uh, and I couldn't, come, I couldn't figure out what the title was. I had a working title and it was horrible because I was trying to mimic somebody else. And I was like, and my editor was like, I don't really like that. Yeah. And, you know, we're going through the part. She goes, it'll come to you. Right. It'll come to you. And I'm just yes. different things down there in in the title of the book. The first book is the same title as the podcast Confidence Through Health, because she was like she basically she in one of her emails, she says, what do you want people to get out of this? I was like, well, if they get healthy, they'll be confident. And she goes, that's the title of the book. <laughs> I love it. Isn't it great? And I was like, oh, because it's true. Right. Like, yeah. And if you and, and it's the same thing with the noise in your head, like you're talking about, if you get rid of that, what society's telling you, you really sit down and go like, OK, who am I? What's my purpose? How can I help people? And if you answer those three questions, yes, you change your life. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And what you just said is crucial for people to hear a second time, Jerry. And that is, 
if your mind is always wrapped in music, news, social media, uh, you know, speaking with people, if you never have quiet time, if you never have downtime where there's nothing on in the background, where you're just sitting and being with yourself, you will never know the wisdom within. I yeah. mean this seriously. You'll never tap into the immense wisdom within you because yep. it's being covered up with noise from the outside world. You know, why do why do so many monks go into solitude? Why do they go into solitary work, solitary prayer? They don't want to be affected by the outside world. They don't want their mind to be dirtied with the nonsense, the chaos and drama that's totally unnecessary. So they shut themselves away and they pray and they write and they do things to help heal the world from their perspective without it being distorted with the news or with, you know, some comment on television or whatever, you know, and and that's pretty much the route that, you know, I have taken and with this new program it's kind of fascinating um i can only speak if it's regarding work yeah outside of that my world is silent yeah you know so i don't i don't speak i, I just you know go through my day i have all kinds of rituals you know we have oh, all sure, kinds yeah. of things that yeah. we do to get really grounded in that yep. and i'll tell you something it's been 21 days about of not speaking outside of work and it's incredibly beautiful yeah, it's it really is. I mean, being quiet is wonderful. You know, in, in the car, I don't have anything on. Yeah. You know, it's just myself, you know. <laughs> and uh, and, you know, if my mind starts going into places that are unhealthy, you know, worry about this, worry about that. I just go through a little meditation. I'll, I'll just follow my breath in and out of the body for 20 yeah. counts, you know, yeah. something to totally distract my mind and bring it back to a level of calmness. Right. right. And and so now, if you're in the car and you're talking to people, you can't get to a level of calmness. Sure. If you're in the car and you're listening to stuff, you can't get to a level of calmness, you know? Right. So, you know, what we try to teach people is that one of the most beautiful gifts you can give yourself of self-care and self-love is silence. Yeah. And maybe start with a half an hour a day. Yeah. You know, just say the first 30 minutes of every day, I'll say good morning to my partner or, right. or whatever, you know, and then I'll say, I'm going to be in silence for 30 minutes, you right. know? Or maybe it's the end of the day or something, but start with 30 minutes of silence. Now, yep. if you get agitated, if you get anxious, that's normal. It's oh, called yeah. withdrawal. Yeah. You're withdrawing from the norm of noise and input, right? Yeah. And it'll be, it may be uncomfortable at first. It's just like getting sober. My first year of getting sober was not fun. It was not oh, easy. Sure. Yeah. 29 years later, I'm happy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> going through that one year was sure worth the next 30. Yeah. And and the same thing with this, you know, silence of 30 minutes. Yeah. In the beginning, if it's a little uncomfortable, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Right. You know, most of our growth comes from being uncomfortable. So oh, yeah. be okay with it and, and accept it. And as you accept it and be okay with it, it gets much easier. And then the benefits start flying in. Yeah. Well, and and I, I want to be very conscious of your time. So, uh, but I do want to point out, because I, re I remember hearing, um, it. I can't remember, it was an NBA player. And, you know, they're walking around with their headphones, the big, big, you know, Beats yeah. headphones on before the game and doing their drills and warm-ups and all this stuff and everything. And, and I just remember, see, I saw a clip of somebody asking him like, Hey, you know, just random questions. stuff like, Hey, what, what do you listen to before the game? And he was like, nothing. And they were like, but you're walking around with you. He goes, no, that's just so I don't hear anything. That's right. Right. Like the impression is they're yes. jamming. They're, they're right. trying to use music to get them going. And, right. everything. and I do that before race. I use music to get me in. And part of it is 
and it's the same playlist, so I, I can tell you exactly where I am in my warm up. I play this right, but yeah. Um, but part of it now is like, okay, I've been listening to the same playlist for years, so I'm not really paying attention to the playlist. It's yes. just helping me focus, focus, and avoid everything else that could be going on. Right? Totally and understand. So it's that. Like I just get it zoned in, but it was so it was like earth shattering for that person to go like, wait, you're not listening to something to get yourself going. You can just, you know, yeah. it's like when you are by yourself and you train yourself to be by yourself, then you can be comfortable being by yourself. Absolutely. And you know, that, that focus comes from silence. Yeah. It, it, the, I mean, the greatest focus you can ever get is being silent and, and being aware of what the task is at hand. Yeah. You know, this is my task. This is why I'm here. I am fully focused. You know, before we go, I got to mention this, Jerry. You know, the, the our recent book with athletes, uh, Mental Mastery of Men, uh, and, and for Professional Athletes, is actually free at our website. You can oh, go nice. and get the Audible of um, of our brand new book, and you're going to hear about what LeBron James does that's so unique, what Novak Djokovic does that's so unique. Uh, some of the great heavyweight boxers of the world, they spend hours a day in meditation. Yeah. I mean, it's going to blow your mind. And then yeah. there's a, a friend that, that that Jerry and I have, Keith Mitchell. He's a former yeah. NFL All-Pro, uh, Texas A&M grad, as Jerry is as well. Yeah. Uh, he was paralyzed on the football field. Mm -hmm. And we tell the story of how now he is one of the top health gurus, yoga teachers, health coaches in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll hear about Ernest Graham, a running back from Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh, yeah. who took his first paycheck, his advanced paycheck and invested it. Yeah. Unheard of in yeah, the world totally. of professional sports. Within a year, he had an insurance business open so that when he retired, he would not have to work. Right. You know, so we, we tell cool stories. Greg Luganis, the diver, the Olympic diver. You know, these are all people I've worked with, interviewed, yeah. and how he wasn't going to continue at an Olympic event because he hit his head on the diving board right. during one of the the, yep. the pre-event exercises, right? Yep. And he went back to his room and his coach was saying, we should just pull out, you know, right. this is a serious cut and everything. Yep. And he said, he sat there and he goes, David, I, I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and the end result was this, I did not put this amount of years yeah. into training for an event to let one thing hold me back. And he went and won gold. You know, right. so yep. that book is about determination, mental health, um, having an understanding of your gifts and talents, but also having an understanding of your weaknesses, because right. eliminating weaknesses in an athlete is the same as a human being. You yep. get rid of your weaknesses and your strengths improve. So get the book free yep. at talkdavid.com. Uh, actually, there's four books up there for free, but this one is an audible cool. on your favorite athletes. And I think it's going to rock your world. Awesome. And so how can people get in touch with you? Oh, very easy. Talkdavid.com is the website. Awesome. Uh, just go there. And we also, Jerry, offer free 20-minute sessions. And nice. the reason we do that is that so many people are suffering. Yeah. And, and if in 20 minutes you vented to me your greatest challenge and we are able to get part of that out, it's going to be well worth the 20 minutes. So right. go. We talk for free. We talk all day long, which is why the right. website is called talkdavid.com. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and and this has been a blast with you, this brother. This has been so much fun, man. This has been so much fun. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest. Yeah. Thanks for checking out the Confidence Through Health podcast. Please subscribe, post a review, share this episode with those you love who need a little extra help with their health journey. Visit allinhealthandwellness.com to learn more about the coaching programs that I provide. 
All episodes are produced by the Social Media Cowboys, your source for all online marketing needs. Go to socialmediacowboys.com for more information.